So I just listened to Judge Karen. And she was talking to um, two Caucasian women. One's an older one. She runs the chapter. Now, we're not going to talk about what school they're going to. That, that really doesn't matter. We'll just let you know that is, this is a sorority thing. And the white girl, the younger white female that is going to this sorority house, she got put out of the sorority house. Now, she's the one that coordinates all the events and stuff like that. And she said that she listens to rap music and she listens to this and she listens to that. So she says no niggas or no niggers may come to this party. Excuse moi. Now. The funniest thing about this is that the judge that was sitting there is a black judge with blonde hair. Um, and she states that once in her lifetime that this was quite an offensive word. The word nigga. The word nigger. I don't know which one she's speaking about because we really can't see it. It's blacked out on TV. However, as she goes on to speak about this, she speaks about how this is no longer an offensive word or how this word is a fighting word in X, Y, and Z. See, the thing of it is, is that I need you guys to understand this. Although this might be a black woman and she might be in the position of a judge, she does not speak for every black woman that has the position to judge. Do you understand? Once again, let me roll that back to you. Although she is a black woman and she is in a position as a judge, she is not standing in the position of every black woman that has the ability to judge. Because on my behalf, I would say as a judge, why would anyone want that type of of language, especially in an educated environment? One, two, this girl is procuring an education. She's spending $7,000. Okay, uh, a semester or a year in order for her to be um, in in this type of environment, in order for her to be able to conduct herself. I do not feel like lowering our standards in society to make other people feel good about the way that they act denotes a sense of integrity. I do not feel like if you felt like something started out disrespectful, that as you get older in life, it becomes less disrespectful. I feel like you've changed, you've evolved your ways, but that does not evolve the way that it is felt from other people. That a judge themselves need to remember that they are judging someone based upon the eyes of the law, not based upon the personal opinion. Not based upon the way that you feel about the person that you're looking at. Like, oh my God, what, what, what? So it was really funny because the girl that she was talking to acted like a Street Valley girl. And don't get me wrong, you guys. I grew up as a bona fide, entitled, privileged little Valley girl. Not. Let's get serious. I am dark skinned. I'm African American. And I grew up in a primarily predominant white area. So let's get this started. If I were to walk around and I were calling people honkies and crackers because that's what they say in songs, would that denote the same type of privilege or denote the same type of stereotypical degradation? Or or can, I, can we downplay the racism that comes from our words? Or when, at what a point do we actually start to make people accountable for their own language and at what point 
does someone actually have common sense to understand that what they hear inside of a song from, and by the way, this is what kills me. She said, Drake uses it. Well, you're not Drake. Drake isn't running the sorority house. You are. So there in itself, there is a differential between Drake and between a Caucasian white female. One, two, what I say to Drake, hey, Drake, I put a challenge out there to you. I dare you guys not to use the N word. I dare you guys to put out a song without using N words at all. Can you do it? Why don't you guys throw out a hip hop challenge out there and ask some of these guys out here that so are that that are fluently degrading the baseline of what we are. And if you want to say that nigga, niggas, I believe was the um, the African or Ethiopian king that they spoke about. Was it an African king? Don't don't misquote me because I'd have to look back in my notes, but. That in itself, that was considered to be something completely different than nigger. And if you really want to get technical, um, I don't expect a judge that probably doesn't remember as much about slavery as someone like me, because I'm a little bit younger than her. So I've been in school and dealt with a lot more things. And I don't know where she grew up at. But I didn't grow up in a black community. So I found I find not growing up in a black community when somebody says nigga or nigger around me, it is quite offensive. I find it to be the epitome of of ignorance. And I find that a black woman, regardless of what kind of education that you have, if you're willing to spit that out, it speaks to the volumes of education from which you have. It is not a societal norm. It is a societal blasphemy. Women can walk around all day long calling each other hoes and bitches. That doesn't mean that you're empowering each other. It just means you're walking around degrading each other all day long and smiling while you do it. High five. Our words really matter. So does the chitter chatter that happens after you to make a decision like that. But I, what I think is so sad is that you have a black woman on television rocking blonde hair, speaking to two blonde women, telling her how she doesn't find the negative connotation of nigger. Holy shizzoit. What am I watching on TV? Is this not blasphemy to the brown skin from which you are harboring, from which you are living within? I can go and put some weave up in my hair. That don't make me believe that I'm white. I can go put in contacts in. That don't make me think that I'm something that I'm not. I'm okay with the color of my hair. I'm okay with the color of my skin. I'm okay with the way that I walk into the room. I am okay with the way that I bloom. Because there is no room for doubt within me. I am everything that I'm meant to be. But I feel ashamed for a judge that stands on a pedestal and acts like she's so tall when she's really facing her own fall because she doesn't even understand the degradation from which she has the call. I find it to be blasphemy of her brown skin. Ugh, so tainted from what she walks within. Ugh. So anyway, as I bow and I sway and I think of things from time to time, I have to drop these rhymes within my 
abyss and say to this, I must bid a kiss and keep it simple, stupid, because common sense has surely been remiss when it has stepped to you, sis. I hope you understand what I'm saying. I'm not trying to disrespect. I'm only trying to get these things popping out of the side of my neck because I got to tell you that the things that are popping within my cranium, I think it's a shame that people even have the audacity to speak about the color of their skin and not even be comfortable with, with the skin that they're rocking in. Baby girl, I'm good. I ain't got to dye my hair blonde to try and feel like I am one of those. But I think that um, you, it was a very hypocritical type of scene. And it was so sad because it was completely demeaning. Damn. Judge. You know, I used to spit all sorts of verses when I was younger. I used to sing in Spanish. I used to jump around and act a fool. But I got to tell you something, you guys. Life is about education. And let me tell you about education on a whole, okay? Just being straight up. I don't call no black man on this earth my nigga. I don't want you to be my nigga. I want you to be my brothers. I want you to be my kings. I want you to be the epitome of my rib, but I'll never call you anything but a king, but a man, but a brother, because you mean too much to me. Now, there was a man the other night, and he knocked down my crutch, and it was the first time. He didn't even pick it up, y'all. He just walked by like it was nothing. It was the first time it came out my lips, and I said, nigga. And then I had to tweak myself and I was like, damn, why you do that? And then I realized because I keep hearing it in society where somebody says something and it's like, nigga. And then you say to yourself, well, why am I saying this? Because the epitome of this word, I just know that it's not right. I know it not to be. I know that it is nothing but a sense of integrity. But I listen and I hear people saying it over and over and over again. And then I say to myself, How can you expect men to be men if you keep calling them something that takes them out of the epitome of their skin? How can I expect a man to be everything that I want from this master plan if I don't even see him as a man, if I see him from the color of his skin, if I see him as a remnant of risk? Maybe it's easier for people to understand what we miss within our lives but I have this sense of integrity I have this sense of intimacy where I keep looking at people and I hope that people understand within this life to put your men back on a pedestal if you want that man to put back into you what you've always put back into them stop calling men niggas because they're not niggas because niggas mean triggers and triggers mean that they're not staying too long Because let's get serious, most men know where they belong and they don't belong with a female that's calling them a nigga. He'll drop her just like she's morning delights. He'll go out there and he'll fight for a woman that treats him right. A woman like me. A woman that will see him 
for all that he is destined to be. A brother is a brother. I don't care what color you are in this world. You don't see white girls running around degrading their men. You don't hear them talking about the color of their skin. You don't hear them yelling about how nasty or or degrading they could be. You don't hear them defaming the other half of them like they're an atrocity. So I'm going to ask you females while you're out here to show so much respect to our black men, to to let them understand that you're more than a homie lover or a friend, that you are all and everything that he needs and that a black man needs is to mend because he has generation upon generation. He has legacy upon legacy of so many people's throwing so much negativity towards his way. So I wonder if it is possible for a black man to stay in tune with the way that his mind is supposed to be. He is supposed to be the representative of the sun and I his moon and the star our everlasting reflection of our love. And so as I put these analogies through my lips and I think of these Imageries from above, I say to myself, is this the way that we are supposed to embrace our black men? Why do I have to talk to you like you're my thug, homie, lover, best friend? I don't want or do I need the man that looks like me to be something that is below. I need everyone in this earth to grow, but I need people to understand that the black man on this earth has been beaten by the master plan time and time again. So you will not hear those words come out of my mouth because I value the color of my skin. When I say, I love you, black man, and I wish for you to mend, I will never call you anything but my homie, my lover, and my best friend. I will always have your back, even when you don't wish to have mine. I will always love you, black man, in and out of time. Hey, you guys, it's me, Tamara J. Alvaro, coming to you from the Motherly Blessings Care Legacy Passion Protection Program in the air where we are daring and caring to be the difference. I wanted to talk to you guys about this methodology that I was thinking about, and this is what I was going to say. How come people are not packing the prisons right now? Why are you not packing the jails? If people are acting out of accord, why are you not following through? My question for you in correlation to this is, why do you have a cashless bail system? It makes sense in order to try and deal with the disparaging display or demeanor that has been going on with others to allow a cash bail system up into three offenses. I said up until three offenses. Anybody that has anything more than three offenses or three offenses or more has already established a pattern of, of, um, 
predominantly wanting to use this behaviorism, okay, or not being aligned with um, knowing what the laws of the land are. So my ideology behind this is, would it not be cheaper, you know, monetarily wise, would it not be cheaper budget wise, would it not be cheaper, you know, economically as well as Ec- um, ecologically wise and I'm going to say ecological and I'm going to I'm going to come back to that in a second but wouldn't it be cheaper if they were actually in a jail cell now let me explain why because a person that's sitting in a jail cell is actually costing you to feed them one dollar a day in new york yes folks that listen to what i am saying it used to be three dollars for one inmate to eat a day but in actuality it costs you one dollar a day to feed an inmate in the in the correctional facility hold on i ain't say they're eating like big pimping they're more eating like little scrimping but you have to align your mind with what you're trying to get as far as behaviorisms and as well as you know communication sometimes the key concept about what's going back and forth between people has to be what the message that's actually conveyed at the end what sticks with the person well let me tell you something when i got a dwi okay even though i was a victim of being raped and i was running from the circumstances of being raped and i woke up in my car on the wrong side of the road and i got on the other side and drove it up that ramp i still had to go to jail because there is a correlation to the law and the lays of the land. So my question to you is this, and don't get me wrong, you guys, but there seems to be an issue here when it comes to putting people in jail. And I don't understand why there was no issue at all with putting me in jail after I got raped in a cop bar. No issue. There was no issue with taking my children away. And stating that because I was drinking and driving that that spoke volumes of my character. There was no issue with calling somebody crazy. So why is there such a big issue with people actually intently doing their jobs? Regardless of, and let me tell you something, I just want to let you know something, okay? This is the craziest thing in the world. (laughs) Call it a catch-22, you guys. The Disability Act states that no person in this world, even if they're disabled, can be treated differently than anybody else. Now, go hold on. Grab your nuggets on this one, y'all. Hold on and listen to what I'm saying to you. No person in this world can be treated differently, even the disabled. They're supposed to be held as equals. Correct. Now think about it like this. If you want to talk about the Disability Act, and then you want to say, I'm afraid to deal with homeless people or to deal with a mentally handicapped person or to deal with someone that has something wrong with them, okay? Because I was watching this on TV earlier. So... I'm afraid to deal with someone like this because of the ramifications of what's the the way that they feel that society would look at them. I'm, I'm picking on a homeless person that has a mental illness or I'm doing this. And by the way, all of this will come in the feedback coming back. And the, the craziest thing is that a lot of these homeless people that are on these streets right now are actually foster care children that have just aged out 
So you have a pandemic that's going on right here in the United States of America and people refuse to acknowledge it. And that is what is on our streets, ladies and gentlemen. Those people that are sitting out there, those are the people that aged out, you took them away from their family and you gave them the medications. The pharmacological alignment, it's called pharmacologically induced paralysis. Okay? And it's a system that has been used for decades. Okay? So what I would propose to people, and I know this might sound callous. I know it might sound like it's being coy. But I need you guys to really just roll with the punches on this one. And I need you guys to understand. This is not taking advantage of somebody. Okay? This is taking an alignment with a belief that something is supposed to, that you're supposed to see something a certain way. Okay. If someone's on the streets and they're defecating and urinating, all right, and they're throwing it on people, that person should be in jail, in prison, somewhere inside of the mental health ward of the prison or jail. Now, you're going to take, going to say to me, well, geez, that sounds so callous. And my thing is this, while they are in public, do they pose an imminent danger to anyone that is around them? If the, if the answer to that question is yes. And by the way, let me tell you something. You, by you throwing your feces and your, your urine on somebody, you can get somebody so ill from feces alone. So ill. Okay. But not to just think about how disgusting it is, how degrading it is as a human being to be used as a, a literal physical toiletry, okay? Or have your property be used as a literal physical toiletry. This type of society has no business making that a freaking norm. This society has no business making that a norm. You are making these people on this street freaking sociopaths. You are allowing this to happen. Every cop that drives by and ignores it, you allow it to happen. Every social worker that knows that they're there, you allow it to happen. Every person in the community that knows that there's a bunch of homeless people and they're not doing shit about them, you allow this to happen. You can advocate for programs for them all you want, but them programs ain't going to do diddly do squat. You know why? Because there's nothing within them programs that state, put them in jail. You want to see someone's behaviors be modified? Put somebody in jail and then tell them if they want to get out that they have to do X, Y, or Z. And watch how much they start to align with what you're asking them to do. Now, I'm not saying... Go take a black man, say he's crazy, throw him in jail, and then tell him to do X, Y, and Z. That's not what I'm saying to y'all. No, no, sir. No, no, sir. But what I'm saying to you is when you're driving down their street or you have an encampment, a cray-craze, okay? I'm not going to call him crazy. I'm just going to call him cray-cray. And the reason why I'm going to call him cray-cray, because they are not crazy. Ain't nothing crazy about them folks. Let me tell you some logic and reason does not diminish when they see the popo. The minute they see the police, they know exactly who you are. The minute that they know that their life is in danger, they know exactly how to get away. They know exactly when they have to fight. 
They know exactly when they need to, when they need to hide. They know exactly when they need to eat. And if you have the mind frame, if you have the mindset that you can even correlate normal activities of daily living, then as far as I'm concerned, you are not that handicap that in your mind that you cannot adjust to not throwing fecal matter and urine on people. So my ideology of that is if you have a person out there that is running around and doing stuff like that, which I've seen it multiple times on TV, I've seen it on my YouTube, I've seen a lot of people saying it. So I want to put this out there. Lock them down like animals. If you act like an animal, you should lock someone down like an animal. There is no other way. And if you play with the penitentiary system, P.S., you guys, if you play with the penitentiary system, the criminals within the system will eat you alive. So keep fucking around, boys and girls. It's not a game. And those men and women that go to these correctional facilities every single day, they put their lives on the line to make sure that they are the barrier between you and the burden that has been on society time and time and time again. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. When you start switching your mind frame to stating that somebody's disabled, that somebody's this and this, I want you guys to remember this as well. We are supposed to all be equals and we are supposed to be endowed by our creator with unalienable rights, the rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, how can we have these rights If they are infringed upon the societal norm that it is okay in order for someone to act a certain way because they don't understand because it's a state of ignorance when it's not a state of ignorance, a state of perception. It's a state of perspective because from my point of view, they ain't cray cray because cray cray. Wouldn't know to run out of a building if it's burning. Cray cray. Wouldn't know to get up and put clothes on because it's cold outside. Cray cray. Would not survive. Because crazy is not stupid and stupid is not crazy. I hope people understand one thing. I'm not trying to be mean or nothing. But if I were you guys straight shooting and not diluting anybody's demeanor or mind. I want you guys to understand this. If you can do the crime, you can do the time. Those were the words that I grew up on. Those are the words that I hold dear to my heart. And for me to see people coming up here and doing crimes and not facing a time, you are telling them that we're pussyfooting around what our laws are. And that's not what we're about. That's not what we're about. Do not plant the seed of a future deed and let that future deed be the criteria of criminality. Don't let people come into this country seeing that we're just we're just pussyfooting around, that we that that we ain't putting nobody in jail, that when you get bad, that we just write something off like it's a ticket and I'll see you later. Because you know what, alligator, it's all good. We ain't aligning with the hood up in here. Oh, no, no. I'm down for packing them prisons, baby. I'm down for packing them. If somebody is breaking the law and you feel like the criminality is increasing in this land, lock them up, baby. 
lock them up and let them see when they get to the next judge. Baby, let me tell you something. If you have a bunch of those tickets to appear in front of a judge, as far as I'm concerned, for each ticket that you got sitting there, they should be giving you a certain amount of time. How much that ticket is right there? Here, let them sit in there for a good four months on that ticket. Let them sit in there another four months on that ticket. Let them sit in there another four months on that ticket. You start holding them tickets for four-month increments and start seeing how people start acting with them tickets. How many tickets you got? 20? Oh, well, then you got 80 months up in here. You're going to have to hold, boo-boo. We're going to see you later. You figure deal me. Every single action has a equal and opposite reaction. Y'all need to stop playing reactive and start acting proactive. I'm up, I'm about appointing a position, but that position, sweetheart, that position is a position of opposition. I say poo-poo on all of those people that don't understand what I'm saying right now. Because as far as I'm saying, um, I think it is, oh, and by the way, please excuse my Ebonics or my twist of terminologies that I use within this, but I want to actually get this out here so people can understand that um, I don't like calling people crazy. I will not because I don't believe that people are crazy. I honestly do not believe that if you have the ability to modify your behavior that you are crazy because that means that you have an ability to process. Uh, You are processing realistically. Um, I don't, you know, here's the thing, okay? People do what people allow you to do, okay? If I want to run around on the street with my butt hanging out, crapping on the side of the street, and you're going, oh, that's disgusting. But you allowed them to do it. Okay, and public defecation, public urination, these are things that really should not be allowed. Don't get me wrong. I've had to urinate out in the public before. I have a weak bladder. Okay, I've had somebody put I've had six to seven people push a child out of my stomach manually. So I assure you, I just got a weak bladder. So me, public urination, I am guilty 100%. I'm not going to be lewd about it. I'm not going to do it in front of other people. But if I have to go, I just have to go. There are instances where people just have to go. But public urination and public defecation in front of people without even trying to hide it, that is something that should not be a societal norm. Children having to walk by people inside of tents should not be a societal norm. This is becoming a societal burn that we cannot handle. Our our children listening to migrants coming into their classrooms, but walking by people and looking at the people that look like them on the ground. That sets an example in their brains that people cannot understand. They're looking at it like... These people are better than the people on the ground. And I need you guys to understand the people on the ground is us. That's us laying on that ground. Every time we let a handicapped person, every time we let a homeless person, every time we leave somebody out on that ground, that's us. That's United States of America. We have been so busy picking up everybody in this world that we have to remember 
that the laws of our land matter. That the lay of our land matters. That the optics within this land matters. That the democracy within this land matters. That the criteria for which people need to keep, the criteria for which we have our own beliefs, our own information, the way that we manifest things, the way that we implement things. It is about us as a whole. Every person that's laying on them streets in them encampments, every disabled person, they are an equal to each and every one of us. And let me tell you something. If you can take someone's blight from another country, and I don't mean to call you a blight. That is not what you are. Okay. I'm just merely saying you're a blight on the system itself as far as financially. And blight to me could be my kid, honey. A blight to me could be my dinner. I got it. It's something I have to carry. Okay. So please don't take it like that. But if you have to carry somebody. You have to carry your own first. Then you turn around. And you help others. You're not helping anybody if you're not treating everybody equally. So the first thing that I would recommend a lot of people to do is to focus on the disabled people that are in this world. To focus on the homeless people that are within this world. And if you are migrating here from another place, you are not homeless. You are in a state of transit. You are not homeless. You just left your home. Your place of residence. Okay. Your place of residence. Explaining this to you. This is like being like. Where you live on the face of this earth. Your place of residence. Wherever you grew up. Wherever you just left from. Okay. You're leaving your place of residence. To reacquire. In transit. Another home. That person should not. Get as much. As the person that's laying on the ground. That is already a part of us. And the people that are. are, And I'm not trying to put this. I'm not trying to diminish anybody. I'm trying to say that. When you say us. Like when we speak. And we're wherever we are in this world. When we say us. And we all are interconnected sweetheart. We are all a part of each other. Don't get me twisted. But when we say us. We speak as a community, right? And we speak community to 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 community. And those lines don't stop. They don't stop in between the water. The water doesn't break us. The mountains won't break us. The valleys won't shake us. Nothing's going to stop us from talking. Okay? Nothing's going to stop the communication from being broadcasted back and forth, all right? But what I don't understand is like people aren't understanding how important it is to get people to a state of self-sufficiency, a state of being self-reliant, you know, self-initiative, you know, and understanding who they are, what they are, why they are who they are, you know. And the thing of it is, is that if you're looking at someone and you're judging them. Oh my God, look at this man wearing this 
Stoffinies. Donesses. You can't help nobody. And you've got a lot of organizations out here where they're just looking at somebody and you're going, oh my God, look at this lady. Oh man, she's doing this and, and she's doing that and she's got her kids and we want to help her as much as we can and we want to do this and we want to do that. And do, you, do you care about the woman that's laying on the street? What about the woman that's in her car driving around with her kids? You are creating a plethora of problematic systems that don't need to be there. And the reason why I'm saying that is that you want to help people. And that's true enough. But unless you're utilizing the old system. Unless you're utilizing the older system. Excuse me. And really looking at where you need to be. Then people won't understand a lot. I think your strength in this all is just basically understanding that if you want to look at the homeless population, then you have to look at them equally just as you look at the handicapped population, just as equally as you look at the migrational population. And I need people to understand that you also have another population on top of that. And that population that has come from the societal norm is now the drug drug Attic population and this is speaking to the police department this is speaking to the criteria of criminality this is speaking to what is being invoked by accepting all right the acceptance within society for the norms that they're starting to see it is not okay to diminish the quality of life for others within society within these communities because you want to make it okay for somebody to shoot up their heroin you know what I mean? At a, at, at a play. I don't want that here. I don't want these houses here. I don't want the methadone clinics here. We don't need them here. Because when they came here, the, the criminality went up. Why? Because the drug addicts came up here to the methadone clinics. And the drug dealers followed them. Because a lot of those drug addicts owe people money or rob people. And those dealers live off of their suffering. The way of the world is wicked, but sometimes you have to understand that the way of the world is wise as well. It would be wise for some people not to mess with some of the traditions that we have put in so far. And it would be really wise if people really start to lock down on, on the ideology of understanding that la law, the law, is the way to help you to get things back into order. And since you have people that are putting people in a position where it's so disadvantageous for them to try and 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 get ahead where you know they're not even being looked at well when you start breaking people down when you really and I'm not I'm not talking about breaking the person down themselves when you start breaking down and classifying and categorizing people for what they do not who they are but what they do because ultimately in this life I can say I'm a preacher and go out and play with little kids and that don't make me who I say I am that makes me what I am you understand what I'm saying so I'm trying to tell people it's not about who you say you are it's about what you do 
when you're doing what you're doing. I can see people state that they're doing things, but even with the best intentions, people can hurt other people within this community. So I don't think that the cashless bail system was meant to hurt anybody. I really don't. I think it was meant to try and help out people that were really being disparaged, uh, disproportionately disparaged against with against with this system, with the penitentiary system, or with the judicial system, with the way that it was set up. You know, previously, especially people of color. Yes, you are at a disadvantage. However, the advantage that you were afforded is that you could get this ticket system. Now, I think that for that ticket system, and this is based upon my ideology, for each ticket that that person got, I would give them four to six months. And the only way I would suspend that sentence is if they didn't have any more, one, and two, if they paid a fine. And I mean, I have defined. And it wouldn't be, and I wouldn't suspend the whole sentence neither. Say somebody had 20 tickets. And or and I said 80 tickets, I think, the first time. So 80 tickets would have been 120 months in jail. Okay? If they had 20 tickets, it would only be, what, 80 months in jail? Are you starting to catch on to where I'm going with this? If you actually take the criteria of somebody's actual reactions or their actions, take the criteria of their actions, take patterns of their actions, okay? And then you poise a, a specific system that states, okay, um... Well, for each ticket that you got in this particular instance, I'm going to give you four months, three months, 90 days. Each ticket, I'm going to give you three months, okay? If you did that to each and every person, all right, and say a person has, oh, well, I got a ticket for not driving with my license. Okay, well, that's not a nonviolent. And then I got another ticket for not driving with my license. That's another nonviolent. Well, here, you're going to pay this fine, and then I'd be able to sweep that underneath. Right. But they paid the fine. So they did something in order. There's reciprocity. You know, there's there's a there's something that's going back to the system. If they didn't have to pay it back and they just got away with it wholeheartedly, then the law of the land is null and void. And so is the association thereafter. And that's what I'm trying to say to people. It's really important for people to understand how important it is. For us as a whole to really understand that the criteria of criminality, the alignment that we have with each other, the way that we believe in each other, the way that we conceive with each other, the way that our conception and and directions all come together, we birth ideologies, we birth bridges on a daily basis. But the only way that we can actually live in a society together is if we understand that we have to put a passionate perimeter around the way that we deal with people on an everyday basis. And it cannot be based upon the way that you look because the way that you look and the way that you are and the way that you will be will not always be aligned with what we need in this society. So before you go giving people golden tickets in order to come on in, born a sin, you might want to pump your brakes real quick and kind of really look at the underlying tone really look at what somebody how somebody acts the where where they came from their history it shouldn't be a mystery okay because if your history is a mystery then I gotta dismiss you all right I don't even deal with people that can't tell me a story 
tell me a story. Because if you can't give me a story, then you ain't even got no time. And I ain't got no rhyme or rhythm for somebody who ain't got nothing to deal with a descriptive ability in life itself. Because why? If you don't know what's happening on your daily and you can't tell me what's happening on your daily, then why would I want to give you anything on a daily? I mean, just think about it. Sometimes common sense is not always common. And that has become less and less common as we have uh, more of a an age gap in certain societies and not just an age gap, more of a a, um, a societal gap. Okay, it's just the, the the norms, the traditions, everything is kind of, you know, I'm, I'm looking at people, and people are changing so radically, but the way that they're changing is diminishing the quality of life for blacks on a whole. They're diminishing the quality of life for people of color on a whole. And the reason why I'm saying that is because when it's okay for you to allow people to state that on the streets, even on the ground, that you're not the equivalent of someone that's coming in that has nothing, okay, then I guess that society has made it a norm to overlook that, which will cut, which is cutting off your nose to spite your face. Everything that we are as a whole is on our streets. It's in our buildings. It's breathed into the culture of our communities. So the first thing that should be breathed into the culture of our communities is that our police don't play. Um, We should be having policing states. And I know that it's wrong. People don't want to live in policing states, okay? They want to live in a sense of feeling like they're, they have a sense of freedom, but without us seeing the police, without them, we aren't anything because people can talk all the schmack they want about them, but I prefer to see them because when you see them, there's less crime. So defunding the police should never have even have been an option. If anything, if you want your communities to be safer, pay them. Pay the police better. Take those assets. Take when you when you go to um when you yeah, use the crime stopper. Take those assets and reabsorb those assets back into those agencies that you're that you're doing. Give people bonuses for doing things. And I'm not talking about for taking out drug dealers. I'm talking about focus objectives on people that are coming in that are hurting the community. And focus on empowering people within the community. If somebody's bringing in drugs like fentanyl, I would focus my energy on those people that are bringing in the fentanyl. How do you stop that from coming in? Stop pussyfooting around with the laws. If your law is that you can't be here, I'm not going to find an exception for you to stay. You got to go. Toodaloo. I feel bad for you? No. I will reroute you back to here so you have resources for you and your children. Have a nice day. That is not grounds for you to just stay. And bussing people up here is not going to help you. Because the more you bust, the more you get busted. It's like a balloon, you guys. The balloon can only go so big. And now it's time for you guys to understand what it is to release. Sometimes we talk so much and I talk so much that I have to remember that I'm talking because I don't want a lot of this stuff to faster.
So I do thank you so much for listening to the show. And I wanted to let you know that I want you to have an amazing day. Um, But that being said, um, this is not really to complain about homelessness. This is not to complain about handicapped people, disabled people that are on the streets. This is more or less to let people know that it is time for them to stop pussyfooting around the the ideology of what actually is happening within this world. Um, People that are handicapped, if you are handicapped and you are on the streets, okay, they need to be dealt with in a different manner. Okay, you're not going to deal with someone who's in. And by the way, if they're handicapped on the streets and violent, meaning they're drinking on drugs or any of that stuff. And there's there are some people that are going to be on that list where you're going to say, okay, well, they're on drugs. Check. And they're homeless. Check. And and they're violent. Check. And they're, you know, and they're going to meet a lot of criteria that are on that list. And if they meet any of those criteria on that list, I think that they would be an imminent danger to people within society. And I think that those would be the people that you would want to be in a program. And first and foremost, I know it sounds messed up, but when you're homeless, all you have is what you have in that cart, whatever you're pushing around. And if you're going to take away from people the essence of what they are, they have to trust you. They have to trust the system that they're going into. And sometimes you don't have time to get that trust. And sometimes they have to trust into a different type of system. And the trust of tradition has always been transparent. Okay. And the tradition of I'm going to lock your ass up if you commit a crime. Okay. Like defecating and throwing it on somebody. That shouldn't be uh, doing something on a, par- on a pavement or, you know. And I know that the police don't want to get involved in that. I know they don't. Okay. But in instances like that, that's when you should be medicating someone to put them into a facility to be taken care of. And do I think that you should have homeless teams that do just that? I do believe that you should have a designated homeless or um, a homeless and handicapped team, you know, that can actually focus on certain things like that. I think that if you um, actually, if you guys actually broke down the the methods of 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 manipulation, so to speak, okay, the way that you and the re- reason why I say manipulation, and I'm going to explain this, the manipulative part itself is going to be. The way that you put your hands on people, the way that they can feel, the way that you embrace them, the way that you touch them. And I mean, really, the way that you touch them, okay? Some people just need a hug. Some people need a touch to let them know that you're okay. And some people don't need you to touch them at all. They just need you to stand close to them. But no matter how you do it, no matter no matter the way that you decide to do it, it is about ultimately empowering and giving a sense of respect and a sense of rapport. We are all connected in ways that people will never understand. We're connected by our heartbeat across this land. We're connected by our love. And we're even connected by our sadness. And crazy enough, people are definitely, there's definitely a a profound correlation with their madness. Anger can connect people in ways that people have never seen before. 
but anger and hate they will never they even even brought together they have nowhere near the magnification of love so i'm not talking with i'm not talking out of the side of my neck to to bring disrespect i'm talking to let you guys know that ultimately that it is the way that we're looking at things in society it's the way that we're talking the way that we're walking the way that we're accepting the way that we're projecting the way that we're protecting that makes people say okay this is okay all right and you're protecting people bringing them in by the boatloads and you're saying yeah it's okay we got your back we got your back we got your back but that that optics to the people that are laying on the ground is that we really don't have yours and maybe that's why i can't really jump in and help people wholeheartedly knowing that there's so much suffering going on and it's in silence and and the violence will will it'll proliferate because quite frankly to the homeless person that's on the ground they see the they see the migrant or the immigrant and they say okay they're better than me why are they better than me and the funniest thing is the immigrant sees the same thing and they feel the same thing as well they feel like they're better than you and they are because that's the optics that you are giving them i believe that if anybody's supposed to be privileged that you should be privileged with the placement of a program based upon where you live and where you're from Now let's try this again. I believe that you should be privileged to a program based upon where you live, not just from where you're from. But if you're living on the streets, I think that a person living on the streets should be entitled to the resources of being relocated into homes into hotels and stuff like that a hell of a lot quicker than someone that's coming off of a boat from another land i think that those hotels should have went to the homeless first and i think that the immigrants should have been rerouted back to their homes back to resources that were in their own homeland okay because then you're tag teaming the resources here for homeless and migration and the people that are sending them here are getting the money as a feedback on the other side because they have the they now have freed up their income in order to send it back to someone else because they worked their lives to get their egg their eggshell their their little their no their what do they call it? It's not walking on eggshells. What is it? It's like um getting a a nest egg or something. Okay. So you work your whole life to get that nest egg and once you get that nest egg, you can send it back to your family and bring them on over. And that's why you have a a proliferation of predicaments. So basically, when I speak to people, I understand what happens. I understand human emotions. I understand the need for family to bring family to family. Okay? And I I understand the the need for reunification especially when people are moving from one nation to another, okay? But I need people to understand that if you don't start focusing on what's happening in this land and stop looking at people one-on-one and start looking at them holistically on a whole. And I mean like a big old piece of the pie, okay? You're taking a big old piece of the pie away from us. 
and not understanding that people aren't thinking about we. They're thinking about me. And when you're thinking about me, you don't go far in a community of we. And that is why you're breaking down and seeing the increase of crime. That is why you're breaking down and seeing the increase of agitation and frustration, the increase of of, of in, um, inflation. And that's why there's such an influx of, of migration right now. And there will always be an influx of migration, but there will be a, a, it will become ascending to the abundance that we see today. And the reason why is because more and more environments are going to be diminished in the quality of the ability to give food, to give shelter, to give to give um, an ecological worth because people diminish it with their own human behaviorisms. And now they will transfer that to other environments if you allow them to. Life is really about the laws of the land, but it's, it's also about regulation of our resources. It is about reserving, okay, um, reusable resources. And it's about preserving the plantation that we see around us. It's about, re, you know, the, we need, you know, these trees. We need these, the landscape. We need the beauty of mother nature. And if it's being diminished by other people, we don't need to cut it down for them. We need it up. We need to change their behaviorisms, not mother nature's. The pollution that's coming up here, the criminality that's coming up here, it's not just killing us, it's killing the animals in our environment. You are changing and shifting. The potential shift in this environment is actually going to exacerbate the ecological alignment of basically worldwide extinction. And we will do it together. Worldwide extinction. It's time for you to wake up, you guys. And I implore you to wake up in ways that you have never woken before. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to start looking at things the way that they were supposed to be looked at? Are you going to keep pussyfooting around and just seeing things the way that they are? I'm not telling you not to love people. I'm telling you that you're going to have to learn how to prioritize the patterns and the pathways from which we are dealing with and to prioritize putting some people in their places. And when I say putting them in their places, that lets them know, don't come here unless you're supposed to be here. Don't come applying for asylum and thinking that you're just going to be able to come in because eventually there's no more resources. And those resources that you're using right now are being reallocated or misallocated from where they actually should be. They need to be with the people of the cities, the people of the counties, the people of the states, the people that live there every single day, that suffer in silence on a daily, the people that thrive inside of the inside of the terrain from which they that they keep. These are the people that these these municipalities, these these correlations, all of these things need to be dealt with by them within their realm of reality. But if you keep taking and pulling off of the hole 
and you keep letting someone else take their hole and cipher it out to someone else, the proliferation of predicaments is going to keep coming because guess what? I bet you if you start looking at them boatloads or those busloads that are coming and start seeing how many of them are related to each other, you're going to start seeing that you brought whole families over here to, to asylum within a year's time. And then when you start seeing how many assets that they've transferred within this family, within a year's time, you're going to start seeing that some of that money that they've been making here, they just took that money, sent it back home, and then they brought more. And then they took their money, brought more. And took their money, brought more. Took their money, brought more. But what did they bring to the table for the people that they took off of the, uh, took from, that they took off the back of? You know, your taxes, your, 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 your property taxes and your school taxes and, and just paying for regular state tax and, and paying for your city taxes and paying for your water taxes and paying for this and that. But what did you bring to the table if you're using all of our, if you're using all of our programs, but you're not paying into Social Security? And even if you did pay into Social Security, you never lived here in order to take from the program. And that's another thing that I would I would project out there. I would project that if you're going to come here in order to live here, I think that you should at least be able to sustain your own living here. Not be sponsored, but sustain. You should have at least one year's worth of being able to live on your own. Meaning you shouldn't be able to collect anything here for a full year. And the reason why is to deter what I just said. People coming here, freeing up their own assets at their own home, coming here and leaving that as a nest egg for other people to come onto. And that just basically feeds the coyotes. It feeds the third party. We're making a multi-billion dollar, if not trillion dollar industry off of our backs for being nice because no good intention goes unpunished. And so with that in mind, I would like to project out there that if you do come into this country, maybe people should start aligning their minds with a different type of analogy, a different type of thought process where you're not always looking at someone like they're the victim, but kind of taking it to them like, who are you? Why are you here? Why? What are you dealing with? How did you feed your kids? How did you feed your kids when they were home? What did you do? What are your resources? I'm not so quick to believe everything that people say to me. Why? Because I know that shit stinks. It don't smell like roses. And pardon the profanity. Because I don't want to lose your, your, your the alignment of where we are right now. Alright, you guys. I am coming down to basically the end of my segment. I... I've got um, a little less than 12 minutes to keep going. So I'm really going to try and rip uh, as much as I can into this so I can get this done. Okay. I want to thank you guys all for your time and your consideration And this. Any questions, comments, and concerns, please feel free um, to let me know. This is about basically buttressing our Democrat, our, our demonstrative system on a whole it's basically talking about the deficiency of the systems of um what's going on within society as well as talking about the de-escalatory methods of mentality the de-escalatory methods of what's going on um within in the way that we think about people and an intricate system of isolated structure so um 
I wanted to talk to you guys about ISIS. And ISIS is basically um, speaking about something in... It's taking something and breaking it down to its bare essence, okay? So basically, when we're talking about the continuum of care, when we're talking about why you need what you need, how you need to build the bridges you need to build, talking about the, the, the special speciality of the, of the services that you need or how proficient you are in whatever profession that you are, talking about the assets that people have within their lives and everything else. Ultimately, what this comes down to is understanding the cause and the effect are also also dealing with the root causation of many problems and how interconnected all of these problems seem to be at its baseline. So when we speak the next time, um, if we speak on one of those interactive um, forums that I have or platforms that I have, um, I would like um, people to let me know what they think about this broadcast and I'm not trying to be rude or anything but I'm trying to actually deal with common sense on a different type of level um so although this may seem disheveled and in display I hope people understand that this is coming straight from the heart and when I'm talking about the deficiency of a system I'm only talking about the deficiency of a system so that we can look at the system the system itself to look at the objective of what the system has to look at all the factors within the system to look at how it's built and how it's decreasing from maybe either communication or from the chaotic reinforcement that might be going on and then to look at the care within the system and think to ourselves how can this continue continue to sustain itself longevity wise if if one were to trying to make it work in one way or the other so basically what i'm saying is to think of things in a definitive tone the course of action that you would get from a common law point of view when thinking about the boundaries of decency and interpersonal and interpersonal status as far as the way that participants deal with one another it is very important if not imperative to one's state of mind wellness sense of belonging or being for them to not harbor any sort of mental anguish or emotional distress. It is important for people to understand that the interdependence of a participant and people within their environment could cause a psychological as well as a sociological ramification or alignment. That these alignments can be used in or procured in either a positive or negative manner. When you are talking about mentality and you are talking about anguish, these two factors need to be separated. The reason why is because if a person is, is in a state of distress, they are not in a state of education. There is no way to reinforce or to buttress anything that you are trying to do with them because there it does not just turn on and off. If someone were to say that they were 
capable of leaving from one place and they feel great that they're in another place, I would say that they're in a state of repression. And the reason why I would say that is because there is no way that you're in a traumatic experience and that when you leave from that traumatic experience, you transition to another place or another environment and it goes away. The underlying ramifications would cease to be there or would, would or would not cease to be there. It would still be there. Imagine as a grown man in a land with brown skin stating that you grew up watching Superman and feeling like you never had any association. I thought that was sad. And maybe the reason why I thought it was so sad is because someone taught you to see the difference in the color of your skin at such a young age. Someone taught you to have a sense of prejudicial positioning to the point where your point of view felt you feel made you feel like you were insufficient or unsupported in order to be an equal of. I don't have to see someone the same color as me to, for me to be a hero. I'm okay if I were the first. I, were, I would be okay if I were the last. It would not change my path of passion. It would not change my path of perseverance, nor would it change the way that I see people within this earth, on this earth, upon this earth, throughout interactions. I think it's very sad if someone states that they feel that they need to associate their skin with someone else's skin in order to feel comfortable within their skin. Because the, th the, the sad part about it is, is that many generations of us have gone without having that association and have still felt empowered from within their core. So when I tell you that I feel sad when I hear a man state that he had to get into an older age or he had to see something that made him feel like he had more of an association, I think that it, it shows a deterioration of the mindset, of the powerful mindset that has been held from generation to generation, but multicultural. I think it's a degradation to the demeanor of a man, to, to the character of the core of a man or a woman, to feel like they have to see someone else in order to be what they want to be. President Obama did not see someone else in that position in order to be the first. All he had to see was himself persevering in order to be there. And although many of us felt that great pride in association just because of seeing that association, I felt the pride more not because he was black, but because why? Because he was the first. I don't want to be a person that looks at other people and thinks to myself, geez, Louise, I want to, I want to feel good. I want I need to match it. I need to put my skin to your skin and I got to feel good in my skin because we met. No, it's not the way that our children were meant to be raised. If you teach them to have an association of just by skin, your children will be put in a situation that will put them so much further behind the lines than where we have come. We live in such a multicultural 
multicultural realm that if you choose to pick each and every point, if you choose to say African, then American, if you choose to say Caucasian, and then you choose to say Asian, and then you choose, if you choose to divide us, then divided we will fall. If you choose to find fault in integration, then it will find fault. Superman was a story about an icon that was from, you know, uh, all I remember is the kryptonite and a lot of stuff like that. You have to forgive me. That came out when I was like a little kid. Um, And I actually watched like some of the oldest, oldest versions of it. I'm pretty sure in the 80s. But anyway, um, Superman itself was, it was a symbol about someone that was extraordinary that was from out of this world. I didn't need to see a change in the characters back then. Yeah, you might have had um, Caucasian characters that were depicting them. But the thing of it is, is that it wasn't about the culture. It wasn't about the base. It wasn't about the association. It wasn't about any of that stuff. It was just about a man who was extraordinary, who landed on this earth and some kind people took him into their home understanding that he had magnificent powers the thing about superman that was so amazing is that he had magnificent powers and the craziest thing if you take anything away from superman don't take the black and the white don't take the yellow and the brown you guys stop grafting us from each other that is so freaking profoundly perverse in so many ways that I can't even I can't even depict to you how 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 you can try to diversify someone and divide them at the same exact time. Do not put in your children's minds that they're anything better or less than. I'm an equal to superwoman. I was an equal to superwoman. I never had needed someone in my skin because if I needed to be the first, then I was the first. I was the first black girl in my dance class and it was okay being the first because it's all right to be a leader. A leader is not going to always have someone that's standing next to them. That's going to have the same color. But if you teach your children not to see the color of our skin, not to associate with the color of your skin, but to associate with the equality of your mind, body, and spirit, Man, what kind of a world would we have then? What a beautiful world we would have then. If our children don't see us as just human beings, not black, not my favorite Hispanic, not my favorite African, not my favorite Caucasian. No, guys. No. You know, think about spaghetti. Spaghetti's a great thing, right? It's got all these ingredients and stuff in there. But the best spaghetti in the world, it's all mixed up. All mixed up. And each ingredient in it is is delicious. Combined, it is it is a, a, it is a magnificent, right? It is it's a work of art. But by itself, they're just ingredients. 
And that's the way you're kind of breaking down people. You're like, okay, well, you know, this isn't, a, you know, you're black and then you're this and you're that. No, you guys, we're just human. If you choose to teach your children to see a white, if you choose to teach your children to see a black, my children never saw white and black until they were taken out of the environment that they were being raised in. All they saw was their friends. Mental note.